Hello and welcome to episode 755 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, November 19th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I'm flying solo today. And I've got a great topic. I am looking for the next big breakout arm. Now, I'm kind of looking for the next Lucas Giolino, but not entirely. Because obviously, it's hard to find somebody who's going to rise from that depth although it could be teammate Reynaldo Lopez in in that in that it's a talented uh well thought of prospect who allowed the most earned runs the previous year that that that's that's pretty much where it stops because the White Sox didn't really cultivate Giolito he kind of did it on his own so Lopez would have to be motivated to do so as well but what I mean by that with the with the Giolito thing is I'm looking beyond top 50 and, you know, Giolito was probably, you know, he was barely top 500. But I'm, I'm looking I'm looking deeper here, right? So some top 50 arms that I do like, and I think they have a great chance to become the next big thing, but I'm not focusing on here because I'm trying to go deeper with it. Brandon Woodruff. I've been clear about how much I like him since last, you know, since the start of this season, actually. I, I always labor on that of, of when to call the the season we just had last year i i usually wait till the calendar changes so it's still this year for me and then when the calendar flips to 2020 i'm fine to say last year even when it's january and we don't have the new season or whatever but anyway brandon woodruff was somebody i liked coming into this year in the battle with corbin burns he established himself he was really strong the only thing that could slow him was that oblique injury excellent fastball he was trusted as a workhorse before that injury. He's got a 335 career fit. Lots to like there uh, for Brandon Woodruff. Max Freed is somebody I also like. Added a slider, improved velocity, has control, a ground ball lean. Really good. Uh, Zach Gallen, obviously the fantasy darling of, of the early offseason here. Four-pitch mix, big swing and miss, career-long home run suppression. And I don't mean career-long just as pros, obviously, because... All he pitched was this year. I'm talking back in the minor leagues as well. Frankie Montas is somebody I've definitely, you know, put out there as somebody I like. You guys have been following me at all this offseason. You already know I'm big on him for 2020. Premium velocity paired his 2015 and 2017 uh, or 2015 through 2017 strikeout rate with the 2018 walk rate improvements uh, in 2019 for like a super season. New splitter, home run suppression, lots to like from Montas. And finished the season on the mound with a six-inning gem after the suspension for PEDs. And then his teammate, Jesus Lazardo, although, and, and these are kind of listed, maybe not in, in direct order, in that Woodruff, Freed, Gallon, and Montas can kind of jumble up, but then Lazardo's definitely the clear fifth. For innings alone, you know, it's going to be his rookie year. I don't know how much they're going to lean on him. He didn't pitch a full season this year because of health. But Lazardo's an elite prospect with great strikeout upside, strong three-pitch mix, but like I said, could face that innings limitation. So those are five guys I really do like. They're top 50 arms. I'm going to be having shares of them all over, but that's not who I'm looking at today. I'm going deeper than that, okay? And so, you know, even even a little trio of guys that's going after those five, like uh, Andrew Heaney, Julio Arias, Luke Weaver is still not as deep as I as I want to go. So let's just dive into it here and talk about these six guys that I'm looking at. Now, interestingly enough, oh wait, never mind, never mind. 
I thought there was uh, I thought there was a pair of teammates. I, I thought there were two sets of teammates, but there isn't. There's just one. Anyway, I'll briefly mention, and I've been given Nick his shine for this. I'm in on the Mitch Keller hype along with Nick. Uh, that's definitely his baby, and I, I want to give him full credit there. He would have been deep enough for this list, but I felt uh, at this point that I was kind of uh, banging that drum a bit much, and we kind of got it. And, and again, not that like Nick's the only one who can talk about him or anything like that. Nick would never feel that way. But I, I don't want it to look like I'm trying to you know butt in on, on, on basically his breakout pick. Anyway, I do like Mitch Keller, and that's why I thought I had two sets of teammates here. Uh, because I do have another pirate who I'm sure you guys can guess, and I'll start with him because that's talking about banging a drum. Y'all already know. And then I have two from another team. So, yeah, we'll start quickly with Joe Musgrove. I'm not giving up on him, and I'm not going to gloss over him because I don't really believe it or anything like that. I'm more going quickly on him because you guys know, right? You've been following my writing or the pod pretty much since he got... uh, you know, that that foolish season with the Astros in 17. But then really once he got to the Pirates, you know I've been a huge fan. So I still see the skills there to really turn something, uh, t- turn into something more than, than what Musgrove's been. And I'm hoping a new regime can help tap into that. Obviously, if he was still an Astro, we'd feel really good about what he could possibly do. Although I know everything's uh, up in arms with, with them right now, understandably, with, uh, with, all, the, with all the cheating allegations. And not even really allegations. It's pretty blatant. But anyway, Joe Musgrove, new regime. Hopefully they tap into what he's able to do because I really do, uh, I really do like Joe Musgrove. He's got he's got the stuff. He's got the swing and miss capability, and he could really be something. He's definitely on my list for the potential next big breakout arm. Now let's move on to. The first of two teammates, and it's Dylan Cease. Now, you might not remember, and I don't want to assume your your level of knowledge on prospects. So pardon me if you're a prospect person and you're like, hey, I've been known about Dylan Cease. Okay, fair enough. But if you're not, and you kind of wait till they're either high minors or or really just wait till they get to the majors before you really pay a lot of attention, I'll let you know that Dylan Cease Three-time top 100 prospect, as high as top 25 at a lot of outlets. I wish um, I could easily figure out where he peaked with us. I know he was 58 this year, Dylan Cease was, but I don't know where he peaked. Anyway, came from one Chicago team to the other. He was in the Jose Quintana deal. And he's had some ups and downs throughout his, his minor league career. And then this year, he made his debut and pitched, you know, about a half season, 73 innings, 14 starts. And it wasn't good, right? 578 ERA, 155 whip. Nobody's going to sit here and tell you that's good. 73 innings, though. And this is a, a problem that I've, I've talked about a lot uh, with regards to prospects is that you see a group of people that greatly overhype prospects, expect the world of them before they even come up. They come up, they don't meet those expectations, that same group then discards them. They don't just lower them or, or you know, give them some time. They just run away. It's like, hey, I scratched off this $1 lottery ticket. It didn't turn me into a millionaire. Bye. Which to me is insane. If you like Dylan C's coming into the year, you should still like him despite the, the struggles that he had. When you only start 14 times and eight 
five in five uh, earned run outings, three three starting three starts like that can completely tank you, and and that's pretty much what happened. Not that he was uh, you know excellent beyond that, but let's just let's just run run some of the numbers. And you guys know that I do this to kind of take a look and just see see where a guy's at outside of some of their worst starts. Not to say that they don't count, but just to get a better idea of, of, of what we're dealing with here. So that would be... So outside of those three starts, two against Minnesota, one at the Angels for Cease. Again, eight, five, and five. And the eight was in two innings. The, the Twins absolutely obliterated him. So he had a 579 ERA with all those starts. Take those three, put them off to the side and say, hey, his worst days, if he can fix, if he can work on those, he's still going to have some bad days. But particularly if he can eliminate a two-inning two eight-run eight, eight run outing. But he has a 428 ERA in his other 11 starts. That's something to build on. He didn't allow more than four earned in any of the other starts. And even the five and five. Uh, the, the, the two five earned run outings were both five innings. He had 10 strikeouts in them. Even those, if, if you left those in, obviously it would boost the ERA. Um, but just kind of taking out the two in eight is is like, okay, you know, that moves him down to 494, which is still very high and ugly, but it shaves off almost a full run from 579 to 494 for Dylan Cease. But don't worry about the game log so much, right? Because we're not trying to parse that and make the case via the game log. But we're talking about a 70-grade fastball uh, was his preseason grade with a, a strong breaking ball. His, his curveball and he, he gets listed with a slider and a curve and I do think there are two distinct pitches but I do think there's some there's some blending too uh, with regards to what he has here and with his grade of a 55 curveball I do wonder if some of that is is more of if it should just be like 55 breaking ball because the slider really stood out more this year and while again I do believe there are two distinct pitches I don't know if, if we saw the curveball that he was graded with this year um, or if he just shifted over to the slider or if the slider was the, what should have been graded for Cease. Regardless, though, two reliable pitches with the fastball and breaking ball. And the fastball at 97 miles an hour was not great this year in terms of results, but it's definitely a foundation to build on. Solid 11% swinging strike rate. Helped yield a 25% strikeout rate. Walked too many guys. Gave up too many homers. Gave up too many hits. Lots of flaws. But that's development, right? That like You can kind of group all of that into figuring things out. He was great. Dylan Cease was great at home run suppression throughout the entire minor leagues. He never allowed more than a .6 homer per nine at any stop. And then he comes up and allows a 1.9. Hmm, that's that's fishy. Even, even accounting for the fact that the ball was crazy this year but a 21% homer to fly ball rate he did not have a distinct fly ball lean I think I think there you put all of that kind of under the bucket of development now I did mention with Giolito and thus with Reynaldo Lopez that they kind of have to do it on their own um because the 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 system set up there is is not super conducive to development there's a little bit of a, uh, a a reputation that is unmet as far as Don Cooper goes as the as the pitching coach there. So we'll have to see what Cease kind of does on his own and maybe what he can learn from a Giolito or elsewhere. 
I don't know that the the team themselves, or at least the pitching coach, the man the man in charge there, is going to definitely develop him. But I'm still excited with the foundation that he has here. And by the way, the other White Sox is not Lopez. Um, I, I'm, I I still like him. I I would actually take a shot on him again in 2020. I just don't learn. <laughs> I'm not learning my lesson there. But uh, it's Michael Kopech is the other one. So you look at Cease and Kopech, and I. You know, you got Giolito already breaking out. You have Lopez, Cease, and Kopech. They're really working on something there. And uh, part of me wishes that maybe they would get uh, a new pitching coach or, or expand uh, the pitch, the pitching coaching. It's weird to use two ING words in, in, in a row there. But if they would expand the team that, that kind of works on things to maximize the talent that these guys have. But with Kopech, he's coming back from Tommy John. He'll have the full 16 months, so it won't impact his season as far as time missed. He should be ready to go by spring and be, you know, ready for a full season. I mean, he had 140 innings in 2018, 134 the year before that. If he's pitching well, uh, the 24-year-old righty should not really have any restrictions on his innings. I'm not saying he's going to go go put out 200, but... A buck fifty should be there, and that's all you really need to become a, a high impact arm in today's game. So I really like Kopech as well as Cease, and I do think that that one of them could be nearing a breakout. Now, don't forget when we last saw Kopech uh, before the Tommy John, he he had debuted in the majors, and it was a tiny debut. So I don't really want to get into parsing. Uh, you're going to see a 5.02 ERA and be like, oh, it wasn't that good. First off, 14 innings doesn't even matter. But he allowed eight earned, and seven of them came in the game against Detroit where he got pounded before TJ. So it was like, you know, he was pitching really well in this limited sample, and then it was blown up by the one start that that then resulted in Tommy John for Kopech. But he's got a killer fastball. I mean, he's got he's got all the tools there. He's got a killer fastball. He's got the secondary stuff. Um, you know, like Cease, command is is definitely something that needs to be worked on. But development for these two, and and by the way, I should also say like Cease, Kopech has uh, home run suppression throughout the minor leagues. So neither of these guys has shown the proclivity to allow home runs. Uh, so the environment that they're in can lead to that, even if you've suppressed home runs in the minors. But neither comes in with a with a home run concern, which I do like. And I really think that the White Sox can have this year's next big thing uh, with with three opportunities to do it. I just really want to see uh, what kind of development. I don't know if you know one of them goes out to driveline or, or another independent uh, pitching, you know, uh, I don't know what, what can't. It's not really a camp. It's like an institution, uh, an establishment, and kind of figure some things out. It doesn't have to be driveline, but there's talent here, and obviously this this team is kind of on the cusp. They've been putting their prospects together. Uh, they were active trying to get into the free agent market last year with one of the big dogs. It didn't come through. They should run it back this year and, and try for some of the top dogs in the uh, free agent class this year with the White Sox. But I think one of Cease, Kopech, or even Lopez, but Cease and Kopech are the two I'm picking here because they fit the draft requirement that I'm talking about. Lopez, believe it or not, is actually the 64th pitcher off the board, which is late, but for what I'm going for here, I kind of started 70 and beyond. Uh, So he actually doesn't meet the requirements. But I think they've got something there, 
and uh, I'm going to be taking my shots on on these late White Sox pitchers. Not be, it's not because of Giolito. It's not like oh Giolito did this, they have to get another one. It's that these guys have the talent and they're they're great late gambles in my opinion. All right, let's move on to the next guy, and that's going to be Jose Urquidy. Now I talked a bit about him in my. Uh, in, in my closer look at the Astros. And I understand that his spot is not guaranteed. So obviously, well, one thing I'll say is that if you're doing early drafts, that's kind of built into the price, right? He's the 109th pitcher off the board, pick pick 403. So you're getting him so late that even if he doesn't become a starter, it's like, okay, no harm, no foul. As we get closer in, in February and March, closer to the season, we'll know Urquidy's role. And, and we'll have a better idea of what's going on there. That way you'll know whether or not you should be investing. The price will also go up if he is a, a starter, but I think it won't ever be cost prohibitive to where you, you, you can't take him. But I like Arkady, man. He was really impressive. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys at all. I had no idea who Arkady was coming into the year. I learned about him in 2019. But he showed off some brilliant skills this year. Three-level season, double-triple, and then uh, double-triple A, and then the majors. He was awesome all the way up, comes up to the majors, and pitches really well. And it looks like a hybrid role because it was seven starts, two relief appearances, but the two relief appearances were extended uh, extended outings as well. So he basically was, you know, a, a, a short starter, so to speak, like, you know, the three to five inning type starter. All the way. It was just a matter of when he was coming in the game. And he does have, he did have two six-inning games and a seven-inning gem against Texas. So he was really impressive, Urquidy was. Uh, 24% strikeout rate, 4% walk rate, 12% swing strike rate, backed it up. A um, little bit on the home runs at 1.3, but that's nothing egregious. He does have a fly ball lean, so he'll be a little bit more conducive to them just in general. But there was so much to like. And the fact that he was able to put up a quality 395 ERA despite two outings where he really got trounced five earned and two and a third against the Angels and six earned at Cleveland in four innings really tells you how good he was otherwise he didn't allow more than two earned runs in a single outing outside of those two so of the 18 earned that Urquidy allowed 11 came in those two outings so again I don't want to get too deep on parsing a tiny sample I'll just tell you that you add up his entire season it's it was 144 innings of really strong work with a lot of swing and miss, good control. I think the next step is command, meaning throwing quality strikes. Right now, right now he can throw strikes. He can keep it in the zone, and uh, and and not get beat by free passes. The next step is making sure that those are better strikes uh, or even better pitches out of the zone. Right, command isn't just. Throwing strikes, uh, throwing strikes that you like in the zone. It's throwing pitches that will induce chases and hitting corners and and um, I almost said getting chases again. I was just going to repeat that, but yeah. So I think command is the next step for Akiti. He's twenty five. He's a little bit, uh, you know, he's not some super young prospect. A little bit more developed. I think he could take the next step. And of course, we'll see if he gets the role. That's the one part that we don't know is whether or not he's going to have a role. But right now, it looks like they could even sign somebody and still have a role for Urquidy. Because, yes, uh, Lance McCullers is returning, but he basically goes in for Cole because they're they're not resigning Cole. There's, 
There's just virtually no way that that happens. So Verlander, Granky, McCullers, and then a signing, and then it's like Urquidy, Josh James, Brad Peacock. I know Forrest Whitley is lurking, but that's for later in the season, and that'll kind of figure itself out, whether it's an underperformance or an injury. So I'm not too worried about that. I like Jose Urquidy. Next up is Griffin Canning. This is another guy that I've definitely talked about a bit. And, uh, you know, I've actually talked about him with Nick. This is another guy that he definitely likes. We were we were pretty big on him coming into uh, his debut. I, I can't say coming into the season. I, I wasn't identifying Canning before the season as like, oh, watch out for him. But once we kind of saw uh, that he was headed up and I start, took a deeper look, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember him. You know, I kind of – he's a guy I had forgotten a little bit about um, – as a pro, after remembering him from LSU or excuse me from UCLA, but you know he's a second round pick, top fifty overall pick, I believe. In fact, hang on, let me see. Forty seventh overall. You know he had some pedigree. He he's coming up through the minors, and it's like okay, he's going to get a shot here. Let's see what he can do. And he impressed. He had the arsenal to really succeed. Four pitches, lots of swing and miss, uh, ninety four mile per hour heater. He did run into some injury issues at the end of the year. The elbow was was a problem. Got to keep an eye on that throughout the offseason and into spring training. But that's keeping the price down too. So keep in mind that, that when you talk about something like that, don't double count it. Because you can't get somebody like Griffin Canning with his talent at pitcher 77, but then also say, well, but he's an injury risk. Okay, that's in the price. Because if he was free and clear of injuries... I think he's more of a top 60 starter. Um, but I'm intrigued by the Angels. And I I think that they really should go after Cole. And then you go Cole, Otani, Heaney, Canning, Sandoval with, with Berea, Suarez as kind of the depth. You start to have something there. Uh, but obviously the rest of the rotation doesn't really impact Canning. The whole like, oh, he'll face four, number four starters for the other team. That stuff, the falls away pretty quickly so I don't really even worry about any of that um, but I like I like Griffin Canning I thought he showed out pretty nicely in his uh, 90 in the third innings there were some bumps as there will be with with any rookie but a lot of what I saw I liked from Canning and, and the only downside was that he ended injured and so his season was over at, on August 18th but even the start before that was was a final taste of, of what he can be when he threw seven innings of one-run ball against the White Sox with eight strikeouts and just five hits allowed. So Griffin Canning is definitely somebody I like as a potential uh, next big thing. Next up, and I believe this is our finale here. One, two, three, four, five. Yep. Next up is Sandy Alcantara. Now, um... With him, it is Alcantara. You may have remembered when it was Arismendi Alcantara. Uh, we all learned that and got corrected when we were saying Alcantara for him, and it was wrong. So then I'm like, Sandy Alcantara, Alcantara, Alcantara. They're like, psych, it's back to Alcantara. Uh, so that's where we're at with Sandy. Um, came over in the Marcelo Zuna deal from St. Louis. He was their all-star representative. You may remember that. Yes, Sandy Alcantara and John Means were both All-Stars this year. Suck it if you got snubbed uh, because apparently you weren't as good as them. Cool rule that that one per team has to go. Anyway, not here to besmirch uh, Alcantara. It's not his fault. But uh, he pitched really well. And uh, he started off a little bit bumpy. I think he had, 
let me just pull it up. Instead of saying I think, I can actually look these things up. Yeah, he had a 5.11 ERA through his first eight starts, and it's like, ugh, you know, what's what's going on here? And and he's one of those guys that has, like, really electric stuff but doesn't really generate the, the strikeouts that you'd expect. Kind of turned it around, like, right after that, though. Uh, he had a shutout in his ninth start, and I don't know if that shutout alone spurred something, but from that point on, his final 24 starts, he had a 3.52 ERA in 153 in one-third innings. That's really good. Now, it was only with a 19% strikeout rate. This is what I mean. He doesn't really miss bats to, or, or he doesn't, let me say this. He doesn't generate strikeouts to the level that he misses bats. He's got an 11% swing strike rate. He has a 96 mile per hour uh, fastball. He's got a, a strong slider. He even has a decent changeup. But for some reason, he doesn't turn it into strikeouts as much. He, get, he had a solid chase rate this year. Everything is kind of there to get more strikeouts. And I, th I still think that piece can develop in Alcantara's game. But even if it doesn't, he could still become the next big thing, even if it's more of a 22% strikeout rate type of guy, which would still be a four-point a four increase off of what he did this year at, at 18%. But... I, I just watch This is definitely a guy that when you watch him pitch, it doesn't even have to be his best. You don't even have to watch the shutout to see this. I think when you're watching him, even when he's like solid but but not elite, you see, you're like, damn, there's a lot of talent here with Sandy Alcantara. And of course, he has a great park to play in. That helps uh, suppress the numbers. So even when he's not at his best, uh, he, can, he can finagle a quality ERA. You can feel comfortable starting him at home, even in tougher matchups. But I think he can develop into something even more and take that next step. Uh, interestingly enough, this past year, uh, the season that we just had in 19, he was better on the road ERA-wise. Now, the whip and, and skills were better at home. And so I think that if he could somehow maintain that sub-4 ERA on the road, he was at 354, which is really sharp, and then improve on at home, we could be looking at an overall mid three ZRA. Uh, he was at 388, so maybe something like, I don't know, 330, 340 could be an upside. But I'm I'm focused more on the skills right now, and I I really want to see him walk fewer, and and really trust his stuff more because it, it's it's there for Sandy Alcantara, and he's only 24 next year. He only has 240 major league innings, so it's still early, but he could take the next step, and he could really be interesting. Let me see. Actually, I, I didn't mention this for everybody, so let's just go back to at the top and talk about where they've been, where they went in the two early mocks. Joe Musgrove was the 76 pitcher off the board around pick 269, which is nice. And then I mentioned Dylan Cease, and he went. I put I typed Crease because I'm an idiot. He was pitcher 89 around pick 317. Which is fantastic price. Kopech. Because he's a little bit of an afterthought right now due to the Tommy John. This price will go up no matter what. Um, I'm short of another injury or something. But he was the pitcher 98 at pick 358. And then, did I mention, was Canning next? I think so. Then I mentioned Canning. He was pitcher 77 right after Joe Musgrove at pick 273. And then Alcantara was pitcher 72 at pick 255 he was actually the highest of the bunch here believe it or not the marlin getting the most love probably because he had the the overall best season when you factor in uh both performance and volume 
Let me see if that's accurate. Yeah, he had the best ERA. Uh, Urquidy was the only one who was close, but it was 41 innings versus 197. And so I, that's probably it, even though his whip was a lot worse than Musgrove's. Overall, they were probably about the same, but Alcantara had almost 200 innings and volume plays, buck 97 in the third for him this past year. So I think I think those guys are ones you should be putting a little star next to when you're taking your late round gambles. I think that group can really offer a lot of potential to become the next big thing. And again, I'll review uh, quickly the guys I mentioned earlier that are a higher up level. They're going to cost you a lot more, but could also become the next big ace. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, Max Fried, Zach Gallen, Frankie Montas, Jesus Lazardo, Andrew Heaney, Julio Urias, and Luke Weaver as well. So that's a big group of pitchers ranging in, in price from uh, you know second, third tier, uh, all the way down to late round uh, dart throws. So if you have other guys that I didn't include that you're really interested in, include them in the comments here or hit me up on Twitter at Spore. I'm definitely interested in what you think. There was not really, I, I was going to write this up, but there was not really like a scientific method behind it of like, I'm taking these thresholds and I'm looking at this and it spits out these guys. This is really more of an identifying a group of guys that I, I really like as pitchers that I think have a foundation to really build on to take that leap. So, um, you know, they're, it's a disparate group. Uh, they, some have great strikeouts. Uh, some have not used their strikeout stuff yet. Some have great walk rates. Others walk the yard. Some have home run issues, et cetera, et cetera. So hopefully you found some interest from some of these guys, if not all of them. And uh, don't take Joe Musgrove in leagues that you're in with me. Hopefully you enjoyed this. I, I think I'm going to have another pod either tomorrow or Thursday with Justin. Uh, because I'm leaving uh, town on Friday for a little bit. So anyway, thank you so much for listening.